Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Neha Nayak, the Chief Executive Officer and founder of Recruitian, as well as many other businesses, but we'll hear about that. And today we're going to be talking to her about her background, her experiences, perfectionism, a lot of topics, but basically so we can get a better look into her approaches to some of these problems and the solutions that have come about as a result. So first of all, welcome. Hi, Adam, and hi, everyone who's listening. Adam, thank you so much again for having me. This is a real pleasure. I'm so excited to get into the nitty gritty of it all. And just again, thank you for having me. Definitely. Well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, I want to get everyone on the same page. You know, we had a few minutes to chat and uh, and to find out about each other, but uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Could you just tell us kind of about yourself? Yeah, of course, I would love to. So I live in Houston, Texas, a suburb of Houston, Texas, Sugarland, Texas, for I don't know any of you are listening who have family here. And um, I have two kiddos. I have a hubby, obviously, and two kiddos, one boy who's four and a daughter who's 14 months. So it's definitely a busy household. And uh, professionally speaking, um, I own four businesses. I started my entrepreneurship journey about eight years ago now. And I started with a recruiting agency. Um, I added a marketing agency, a data analytics agency, and then a pediatric sleep consultancy, which is totally kind of off, but there you have it. And one of the things I'm really passionate about is just women empowerment. So a lot of the businesses that I, you know, most of the businesses that I work with, um, I actually donate proceeds to the local women's shelter. And I'm also actively hiring women who are mothers on my team. And finally, I'm actually rolling out a course in a few weeks for women who are working nine to five and want to start their own business. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Um, so that is uh, quite the background. We've got a lot to dive into there. Um, so in terms of time management, running a business, all of that, have you had any formal training or is it all kind of on the job? I started a business. I better figure this out type of stuff. Yes, I feel like it was with me definitely the latter. And I've, I've talked to people who have MBAs and they have actual courses on, you know, time management and strategy and planning your day. And for me, really, all it took initially was just a piece of paper and a pencil, right? Writing down what mattered, what didn't matter, where I was spending time, where I didn't need to spend time, what needed to be outsourced, what needed to be done in-house, really kind of figuring out what made me happy, not only as a businesswoman, but as a mom and figuring out what where that balance is and where those boundaries are. Because sometimes it's so hard to want to do everything yourself and want to take on a million things in a day, but it really is about prioritization and just figuring out what can you do this week to take you to the next level? And what do you have to let go and visit or revisit in a few weeks? Yeah, that is so important. I'm going to circle back to that. I think what you're talking about there with balance is, is critical and it's going to tie into what we're going to talk about. So uh, I do have a question I'd like to ask everyone though, before we dive into this, uh, what's your normal routine like? It sounds like you've got several businesses, you've got a family, You uh, just so everyone's aware if you're hearing this in the future, you know, there's, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I'll call it an ice and snowstorm in Texas, right? Where you're at, yes. so probably dealing with loss of power. Um, yep. But yeah, let's, what does a routine kind of look like for you? You've got so many things going on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for people who are in Texas listening to this at whatever date, I hope you guys storm through the storm because it was a really, really uh, going through hell pretty much for the lack of better words. Um, so I start my day at 4.30 in the morning. I hit the gym every morning from five to six. I typically go four to five times a week. Um, I get home, you know, like the shower, getting the kids ready for school. 
when they're out the door, um, then I usually have an hour to hour and a half blocked where it's just me thinking about what I have to get done today. Uh, and Mondays usually is about an hour, hour and a half. And then the other days is about 30 to 45 minutes. I think it's really important to shut off emails and phone calls, at least from 8am to 930. Because once you get into that sucked into the email chains and sucked into the voicemails and the calls and the slack messages you are not going to get done what you really wanted to do and you kind of get pulled into these other unimportant or low priority tasks as i call it and then that can you know of course derail your entire day and before you know it it's 3 30 right um so i do that then i usually have my client meetings i have a meeting with my my team that i you know that work for me and we kind of figure out what our day-to-day -day looks like and then around four o'clock i pick up my kids from school um, I try to spend as much time with them away from my phone from 4 to 7 p.m. They go to bed at 7.30. So I think it's really important for me to give them the time when I see them because they do grow up really fast. And then once they're down for the night, I spend some time with my husband. And then usually um, I go back in and, you know, finish up some emails or just kind of plan my next day, look at my calendar. And I try to get, a, get to bed around 9.30 or 10 because by then I'm just so tired that I just don't want to do anything else. Um, you know, I do try to sneak in some Hulu or Netflix in there when I can, when I'm just trying to de-stress, but that really is what my day looks like. And then weekends, it's really just a lot of high quality time with my kids, with my family. My parents are really close to me, as I just told you um, earlier. So, you know, hanging out with them and having family dinners and family, you know, just get togethers and stuff like that. Because I think that's really, you know, you have to be a well-rounded business owner. Otherwise you're just going to be burnt out emotionally and mentally. Definitely. 100% agree with that. So focusing in on one of these, you talked about um, exercising first, coming back, spending time on your kind of a daily review, planning your day. What does that look like for you? Is it like, you know, looking at your calendar, looking at your to-do list? Uh, what kind of a daily review do you do? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I always look at my calendar and I know what's coming up. If there's a presentation that I need to prepare for, I want to make sure I have dotted the I's and crossed the T's and make sure that's kind of pretty wrapped up and ready to go. If I have any client meetings um, that are, you know, initial client meetings where they're interested in my services, I want to make sure I have the presentation ready for them specifically and what they're looking for. Um, but a lot of it, honestly, is also just collecting myself and just figuring out, okay, besides the client stuff and and the people that work for me, what do I want to get done in my businesses this week um, or today even, right? So, hey, you know, I have to do so-and-so by Thursday. What needs to happen between Monday and Wednesday to have that done and ready to go? So it's really looking at the big picture, um, but also the immediate things that are coming up. So I always like to plan, especially for Mondays, kind of have a uh, hot, like three I call it a three-pointer plan where it's three points for each days that I have to get done, you know? Um, and sometimes it can be really as simple as, okay, I have to get my nails done because I have something on Friday. I have a client meeting and I want to look polished, right? Like you want to look yeah. professional, but it's really something as simple as that, that are like my high to-dos, right? Um, and I think it's really important to do that because every day your priorities shift, but it's really important to have a kind of a focus uh, action plan that kind of talks about from Monday to Friday, what needs to be done. And then every morning on Tuesday, you know, I take 30 minutes. All right, I have four client meetings, 
three Baba follow-up calls. I have to send out emails. I have a catch-up call with this client and just really kind of focusing on what needs to get done. Um, I'm also a big believer on kind of, I, you know, I don't try to be on my phone as much. Honestly, I'm, I'm being more and more aware of it because I did realize that I was getting a little burnt out. And I also, the night before, what I do before I go to bed, I just take a quick scan at my calendar, right? I don't want to have any surprises. I don't want to have any shock. Um, a lot of times when you are going through every day, you're like, oh, it's already Thursday tomorrow. Like I thought it was Wednesday. And it just sometimes happens to us when we're so busy with our personal lives and professional lives. And so one of the things I realized when I started doing that just before I slept is, if I have a creative presentation the next day and I'm like, you know, I really don't know what I'm talking about. And I go to sleep with that. Sometimes ideas flow to me when I'm sleeping or, you know, when I'm getting ready for the gym early in the morning. So it's really important to kind of um, tell your brain that this is what's coming up. And then when you go to bed and you wake up and then it, there's less of a, like a shock value to it when you look at it in the morning. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that's a, a great habit. And uh, yeah, it reminds me of uh, Cal Newport. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the guy who wrote deep work and he's got the shutdown ritual. It's an older article, but it, it's really funny because he actually says to himself or he did at the time, something like I am done for the day and just saying it out loud after doing a calendar review and getting all his to do's and looking at it and just saying, okay, if anything else comes up, I just write it down and it's taken care of. But I think that's really important. Yep. Well, uh, I've got a little bit of a leading question for you, switching gears here. So would sure. you call yourself a perfectionist? Um, I will say this. When I first started my business, I was... I, I mean, I am type A. My husband always makes fun of me, right? Um, I mean, I plan my vacations to a dot. And he's like, you know, vacations are not meant to be planned. And I'm like, no, like, I want to know where we're having breakfast. And I want to know what time we're visiting the beach. And I am a perfectionist. But I will tell you this. Um, over the course of the years, I've realized that perfectionism is actually not healthy for you, right? Um, and I'm saying that because I have struggled with this. I have gone through the mental exhaustion. I'm very transparent about kind of my failures because I think, entrepreneur entrepreneurship is not born out of successes but out of failures and I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that and one of the point of failures that I always struggled with unfortunately when I started out this journey was trying to do everything perfectly and mm -hmm. I realized something's got to give right like not saying that you're going to send over a, qual a crappy quality product, but the way you have to do it, you know, do about it. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself and I still do at some point, but I, now I'm kind of like, okay, let's take a step back, revisit. And the other thing I've learned too about me is I didn't want to lose control or I don't, I don't want somebody else to do something for me. And I started doing that. Right. So I hired an online business manager. I hired a PR person. I hired a social media marketing strategist, right? These things take money. Right. And I, this was not something I could afford up until like last year. Cause I wanted to make sure my businesses were kind of balanced. I was making a certain amount of income to be able to afford these luxuries. But if even if you can't afford that, right, it's really important to just say, if I'm doing this alone, you can't expect yourself to be perfect 100% of the time. And it, it's it's funny, some people define perfectionism, right? I feel like it's a societal expectations because when we see other people achieve things, automatically the mindset is, oh my gosh, your life is so perfect. We've said it so many times about our friends or family, we say it all the time. But the thing is to me, I love living in the imperfect now because when it's imperfect, it allows me to grow as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, as a friend. And I'm not going to like, again, go out of my way and just be a horrible mother, right? But it's okay to make mistakes is what I'm saying. And it's okay to learn from them. Um, and when you put that limitation in, of, of yourself that, hey, I'm not gonna make any mistakes, 
that's really when you make mistakes and B, you are not able to learn from the mistakes. So it's really important to go in with that mindset of things are going to happen like this week, right? With Texas, we had have power. I had to move all my client meetings. It's literally total craziness. Um, But, you know, I always have to tell myself this, there's nothing you can do about this. There's things out of your control. You just plan for next week and you move on. And I think that's kind of the viewpoint I started taking more recently about perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that part for me of this is also um, like thinking about content. I deal with a lot of content production, uh, whether it's videos, this podcast or, um, you know, emails, things like that. And I think about all the time, you know, running a, starting a business years ago, and I was so worried about things, but one, mistakes still happen no matter what, you just work to minimize them. And then two, getting that real world feedback, whether it's a product you're launching, it's an email, right? That stuff is invaluable. And I see it, and this is well known, I think in the entrepreneurship world that it's like, you see people who are worried about getting the logo right for a year before they start the business. And it's like, okay, clearly that's an extreme example. But I know right. that that happens to all of us. You know, we're like, it's got to be just so I know how to do this. And it's it's the rare person who can learn to really give that up and be like, hey, we're going for really good, not perfect, right? Yep, yep. It, that's so important. And I, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the, you know, mom's group that I'm on, you know, people will say, women will say, oh my gosh, like I just want this perfect website and I want this perfect blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you could literally have the worst website and still have sales. And it really what matters to your customers is what you're providing to them, mm-hmm. not so much what it looks like, right? And I don't know, Airbnb, if you saw the very first website that they had, it wasn't really even a website. It was just an HTML page, right? And they're doing so well. And I think it, again, it really just goes back to, in your mind, what do you define as perfectionism, right? To me, um, I feel like, when you are imperfect, that's when you're perfect because you're constantly trying to work on yourself. And if everything was perfect all the time and everybody was perfect that you met, there would be nothing to work on. And I think the world would be a really, really, really boring place to live in. Yeah, you know, that's one, I like it too. It reminds me, yeah, I've been reworking kind of uh, my quarterly planning and as time goes on, I try more and more to look at um, like, what are the daily things I can do? Like my goals need to change, you know, I'll accomplish different things or I'll be interested, but I want my base, uh, what I do on a regular basis to stay the same. Like, uh, so bringing this back to the perfectionism, it's like, I want to be doing things instead of working towards some unrealistic, perfect goal. And it's like, okay, I want to write a 500 words a day. And that was a tough one. It's like, well, I'll go back and delete these words. I didn't like that sentence. And even that, it's like, no, just keep going. And it's it's a weird habit. So um, I guess kind of a question for you then would be like, what do you think people should do to strike that balance? And I know this is really personal, but I guess how do you, how would you advise someone to balance getting a quality output while not, you know, going too far? Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good question. And the way I always think about it, right? So the first thing is act on it. So if you've heard of the five second rule, right? Whatever comes to your mind, act on it within five seconds. So I'll give you an example. When I first started my first company, the recruiting agency, where I worked exclusively with startups and helped them scale, um, I was at a horrible job, right? I just hated my nine to five. And I'm going to be really personal with you. I mean, there was one day when we had a tornado warning and they sent us home early and I would pray that we would have tornado warnings every day. I mean, that's how bad it was. I was just sick of it. I was ready to go home. And that night I was like, I just have to start my own agency or company or something. Cause I'm no, I know I'm capable of this and I don't need to work for anybody else. And then instead of thinking of what the perfect name should be or what the perfect, I just started and I just 
form an LLC. And I'm like, well, just see, screw it, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's going to be decisions like that that are driven by something that's going on in your life, whether it's intrinsically or ex- extrinsically, right? Whether it's your job, whether it's your kids, whether you got laid off or your husband got laid off and you're like, man, like I really need to do something about this or whatever that situation looks like to you. And it's going to be different for everybody. And so there's going to be moments where you are given that opportunity and you just have to grab it. Um, and I think that's really important to grab it when it happens right now when it comes to clients and you know doing anything client facing I think that's really where that gray area lies of when is it okay to have a good versus perfect um, output right or perfect product or service whatever you're offering to your potential clients or customers and my rule of thumb is I want to over promise and under deliver Oh, sorry. Under, over, no, what? Yeah. Over, ah, under promise, under promise, over deliver. Yeah. Under promise, over deliver. I'm so tired. So I always go into client calls knowing exactly what they're expecting of me, knowing what I'm expecting of them. And I am really not shy about it. I used to be extremely shy about it. And I think this is where people kind of stumble, right? So they get on these client calls, especially as a first time entrepreneur, you want to please everybody that you talk to because you want to sell to everybody you talk to. And what I realized is I don't want to sell to everybody. I only want to sell to people who are accepting of what I am supporting them with and who are okay with me not giving them like if they ask for 10 things and they're, you know, some people expect a hundred when they ask for 10 things and I'm going to give you 10 other 10 things, maybe even an 11 thing, but I'm not going to go above and beyond. And so that's something that I kind of had to come to terms with and just say, Hey, this is what you need. This is what I offer. This is what I'm going to deliver. Let's come up with KPIs and SLAs that match and then where I deliver. And so when I did that, when I started doing that more and more, it was fine that I was losing clients initially on the initial calls because they were like, well, we also want this and we also want this. And I'm like, that's not what the terms are here, right? And once you start, you once you accept stuff that you cannot control or that you cannot do, I think that's when you start performing and that's when you start attracting the right clients that come to you, right? And I think it's really all about for you, and this is something I have a hard time because I'm a people pleaser. So I have a hard time with setting boundaries. But once I started setting boundaries, clients were even happier because they're like, oh, wow, like we talked about this three weeks ago. You delivered. We want to give you more work as opposed to you also told us you're going to do A through Z, but now you're giving us A through F. Like what What the heck, right? Yeah. So um, I think it's really important as first-time business owners to really figure out who your ideal client is and figure out where you want to kind of you know, the perfectionism, right? Um, and, and just work with clients that will work with you based on kind of your prerogative and what you want to provide to them. And I think that's really, really important. And unfortunately, that's not something that can be taught in an MBA. That's just something you learn while you work with a few clients or you screw up and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have worked with this client. Now they're expecting like, you know, mountains <laughs> out of me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really where I kind of started kind of that self-development process. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I always uh, give the advice of, you know, yeah, if you're getting started, uh, you know, you're starting a business, whatever it may be. Yeah. Say yes. You know, you've got to try things out unless you have a really clear vision. If you do, that's great. Start saying no, but say yes. And then start saying no. And that is super important. And I see that uh, relating to personal life as well. You know, being really clear, the more clear you are about what you want, right? Whether it's you personally or your business, what your business wants. I'm using air quotes, which of course nobody can see, but you know, whatever your business needs or wants, the more clear you get about that, the happier clients you're going to have. And you, you know, you're going to just start attracting people. I'm not like a big woo woo type of guy, but 
it's it's a result right you get more clarity and things just start moving so yeah. yeah and i will say if you are not good at something please and if you have the the capacity financially to outsource anything like that even if you can hire a va to schedule calls for you or something where you're like hey i need to focus on the content part of it i really don't have time or the energy to start booking calls on my calendar hire somebody right especially as you're starting to scale and have you worked with one or two clients because I think that's a lot of holdback too. People don't want to spend money, but it's really you investing back in your business when you do stuff like that. Cause you're going to now have three hours to yourself that you can go back and try to perfect whatever output you wanted to perfect. So it's really important to kind of let go of that control. And that's something I was horrible at, to be honest. I mean, I know people are probably like, what? Like I was so bad at it. I would literally be working all day, all night. And I was like, this is not the life I want. And once I started outsourcing that, even though it costs me, I now see the ROI. And I think that's really important. Definitely. Well, that's a good thing to bring up, talking about working with others, whether it's outsourcing or someone on your team. Uh, how would you work with somebody on the team who maybe needs to work on being less of a perfectionist as well, right? You know, you hire someone, and I know for, I, I can only speak from my own experience with this, I, I would look for someone who is detail-oriented. I want someone who's really paying attention. But how have you dealt with people where it's like, okay, we also need to tread that line of, okay, this can't take you 10 hours. I'm paying you for two. It needs to be done. You know, what, what's the way through that? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And the way I do it is again, boundaries, right? So we set up the expectation beforehand. If I tell you to write a 500 word page blog article for one of my websites, you know, I will tell you, Hey, how much are you going to charge? What does a deadline look like? And I'll tell them I'm okay with like one or two drafts if I, you know, if I want to edit or something like that. Um, I honestly have been lucky and fortunate to not have anybody been so hung up on it. I have actually had the other problem where people are unfortunately missing deadlines for whatever reason and um, or they'll stop responding and just go MIA um, to requests, whether they get busy or they're just like, oh, this is not my full time job. Um, so I've kind of had to deal with the other end of the spectrum. But if I were to deal with somebody who is a hardcore perfectionist, mm -hmm. um, that would be a conversation I would have with them. I would, you know, work. And these are the things you're not going to know unless you start working with people. Unfortunately, this is not something that comes across in the first or even second meeting. So if I start seeing that, hey, like you are really not submitting work because you're having anxiety about it being perfect. Let's talk through this. Like, what is your kind of wall that you're hitting? Are you afraid that I'm going to hate your work or talk to me through that? Does it help to kind of have outlines put together? Does it help for me to have weekly check-ins with you to see what you're doing, what I can help you with? Um, again, it's all about setting those boundaries and expectations early on. And then if you do run into that issue, having those very transparent conversations with those people. That's great. Yeah. I forget where I was reading this. I forget if I can remember, I'll put it in the show notes, but I was yesterday reading an article or it's in a book and they're talking about, um, you know, how we would go out and buy a car. We would go out and test drive a car and we would put all this time and research into it. And granted, I'm sure there's people out there who have bought a car sight unseen, but I'm not one of them. And most people I know don't do it. But when we hire someone, we'll go do an interview and consider that to be good enough and then hire them and expect the best results. And it's like, no, you should hire quickly and also, you know, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, fire quickly, right? In the sense yes. that you want to put them through the paces and I'm not going out and hiring some people at a time, but I will hire two or three people and see, you know, for something new we're doing and see, hey, what is this person able to hit a deadline? Are they having issues? And that way we can really see more quickly kind of what the results are going to be and do it in a shorter period of time. So 
Uh, yeah, because that kind of takes care of the opposite way too, where you're saying, you know, somebody's going to ghost you or they're going to not communicate. That also deals with people who are trying to, um, I did have a time where somebody took, missed the deadline because they were trying to do a better job. And I was like, I appreciate that. Um, but on the other hand, you missed the deadline, so that's not a good thing. <laughs> right, right. It's, yeah, some people, I mean, it is, it's a habit. It's a hard habit to break, I will say. Yeah. And it's, again, really important to have. And, you know, I keep my team... I am very open about it. Um, there is no hierarchy. So it's kind of like, if you have a problem, if your son's sick, if you have something come up, please let me know and I'll assign somebody else on that project if there's a deadline. Uh, you know, I mean, I know life happens, like Texas right now is, is a great example. There's nothing you can control. If your kids get sick, you can't control that. If you have a car accident, you can't control that. But things happen in life, right? That's what it's called life. So um, I'm a big believer in that. Um, but I think it's really important to like, have some type of reason for what you're doing and I think with people who are perfectionists and people who are very type a and, and they can't let go of control it's really important to have those conversations and I do want whoever works with me to hopefully learn something from it right like I do want this to be a experience an experience that you remember not like oh crap I remember working with her she wasn't great I don't want that to be the outcome for anybody whether it's you work with me and you start your own business you work with me and join an awesome company like I'll be happy for you but it's really important for me to have those conversations with my team well, let's go uh, one more in that step. So you've got this long experience, you know, of uh, recruiting, of hiring people, which is a really important skill, I think, for anyone, entrepreneur or not. Um, you know, what is something you see people maybe doing wrong that, you know, people could, if they knew or could see, you know, the volume you've dealt with people, what could people do better maybe or improve when they're recruiting or hiring? Yep. Are you asking from a candidate perspective or a recruiting perspective? Uh, from a recruiting perspective. Okay. So as a recruiter, what would people, what should people Yeah. Be? What's something that maybe, you know, a lot of people do wrong or poorly, like what, what could they do to be getting better hires? Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good question. I think one of the main things that comes to my mind is really sitting down and figuring out what you want. So yes, there's a, you know, there's job descriptions and there's what's expected of you. A lot of times, unfortunately, what I see is there'll be job descriptions. And then when they start, you know, hiring managers or recruiters start interviewing, the job descriptions evolve, right? And what that leads to is a really, really poor candidate experience. Um, so it's really important to, before you even start talking to candidates or have that position out there is to just say, what do I really want? And is this going to change? And it's okay for it to change, right? But what you don't wanna have is a poor candidate experience. If you talk to somebody and you're like, oh, you know what? you're not the right fit because we just overnight change your job description. Um, they are going to spread, spread the word that you don't know what you're doing as a company. And a lot of hires when you grow um, come from referrals, right? Referral, referral mm -hmm. programs are so strong at Samsung, Apple, Google, and even startups now are catching on to so many referral programs. Um, so when you kind of start this negative thing with candidates and you have a poor candidate experience that circulates. So if someone says, Hey, I got this interview from so-and-so. Oh man, don't do that. I had a horrible experience there. Boom. You've just lost a quality candidate over a conversation 
you know, over beer at a bar, right? So, and it's happened before, unfortunately. So it's really important to sit down and figure out what that is. And the second thing I would say is high sense of urgency. I unfortunately see um, a lot of recruiters kind of have lost that. I don't know why, but just that sense of urgency. When if someone is interested in your position and they're passively looking and not actively looking, it's important to get on a call with them, right? You don't have to do it at midnight, but really like in 24 hours or less, just say, hey, are you available? Can we jump on the call? Um, Because I think that is really what makes you different from a good versus an awesome awesome great recruiter is valuing your company culture and building that company culture remember when we're recruiters we're actually building the company right so people forget that people you know companies are made of people they're not made of technologies they're not made of services that's great that the company has that but without people it wouldn't be a company Mm -hmm. so when you are sowing these seeds of an organization that's going to hopefully become a forest an awesome growing thriving forest in the next 10-15 years it's really important to have that positive candidate experience and have that sense of urgency that is great i think that's a really good one to uh, to remember i'm definitely I'm like underlining my notes here about that but you know quickly getting back to people just it's kind of what you would expect of a candidate and then you know thinking about that from the other point of view like well you of course want them to know that you're interested and you want them to be excited and you can do that by quickly getting back to them you know which doesn't really take much and it shows that you're interested so i think that's a good one uh, we got time for a couple more questions here. Um, so one of them, I'm curious, uh, you know, you've gone through a lot, it sounds like, and a lot of growth over the last few years. So if you could go back and tell yourself something from five years ago, or rather go back five years ago and tell something, what would that be? Um, think big. Um, I know as, as cliche as it sounds, I always put a limit on my thinking. And fortunately, my husband's the opposite. He always thinks big. And that's something, you know, we always learn something from our spouses, right? And that's one of the things I'm constantly learning from him. And he always says, like, why are you just limiting yourself to this much? You know, like, because I do, I, I'm a big believer in vision boards and I do my vision boards and he will come up and be like, no, he'll be like, we're changing this number up. This number is too low, right? <laughs> like, we're changing this number up. This number is too low. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I always, I was always in that position of kind of not, yeah, kind of like self-doubt, self-sabotage, like, well, I can never be here. I can never earn this much or, you know, and it's, it's funny because the minute you change that mindset to I can to maybe I cannot, or I may not, um, big things do happen. Right. And that's something that I'm actively learning. And I, I wish if I could see myself five years ago when I was just literally like, working on a few clients and working late nights before I had kids and just kind of getting myself established. And I didn't, I mean, I, there would have been no way I would have known I was going to have these four businesses five years ago. Right. Like, it's just, there's no way I would have, my brain wouldn't be able to kind of (laughs) handle that thought, to be honest, they would have been like, no, you're crazy. No way. Um, And I would say that that's something that I want to remind every single person that's watching. So whatever your dream is, whether it's being an entrepreneur, whether it's getting that MBA, whether it's whatever, just, know that it's possible, think that it's possible. The minute you change your mindset, your actions change, everything kind of aligns and you are presented with the right opportunities at the right time. But it's really about changing that mindset and going from yes, I can and I will to no, I won't, right? Or I can't. Um, And I would say that's the biggest thing, especially for mothers, because as a mom, when you go on maternity leave, a lot of times you're expecting that the employer gives you more, you know, flexibility or more holidays, but you really don't think of like, hey, I can do this myself. Like, I don't need an employer to depend on. And that's why I want to break that barrier for moms, because I've done it. I've made a million mistakes and I want to help moms kind of, you know, empower them to fail their way to success is the way I like to think about it. 
Gotcha. All right. That's awesome. Well, uh, last question for today. Uh, you don't have to limit it to one, but what book or piece of reading or maybe a, a video do you find yourself recommending the most to people these days? Um, I actually am reading a lot recently on like healthy habits, yeah. um, or just healthy healthy eating habits because I've kind of got into that recently and but the, one of the books I love and I know this is probably a little outdated now but I love the book by Michelle Obama Becoming it's one of the books that I, I've read probably twice now um and then in terms of like other podcasts uh you know mm -hmm. um what was it uh, how they built this it's about entrepreneurs that have struggled. Is that what it's called? I think it's called How They Build This. Yeah, and I'll look it. it up and make sure that the it's in. The yeah, room. just look it up. But I forget what. It, but it's on my it's on my Spotify. And every time I drop off my kids or I go to the gym in the morning and I'm waiting there for the doors to open, I always listen to like a quick little snippet. You know, these are short stories of successful entrepreneurs that have made it to where I am. So those are the the two or three things I would recommend. I've really gotten into like a holistic, happy, healthy lifestyle too, just working out and eating. So just any healthy eating habit book. So it's just like literally blogs that I will follow. Um, it's not even a specific book, but that's kind of what I've got into. I, one of the things I need to be better about is reading more entrepreneurship type books. Um, there's one, it's called The Goal, right? It's the goal is to make money. And it talks about how to do that. And that's been on my list. And I think I'm going to start that hopefully um, in the next week or two when we're out of this craziness here, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's something. And then I, I read a lot of books on parenting and, um, you know, the five love languages is a really popular one on how to raise happy, healthy kids and how to form those uh, healthy relationships with your kids. Cool. All right. Well, we got some good recommendations. You guys can listening, can find that in uh, the show notes, wherever you're watching this, either on YouTube or on the blog, you'll see the links there. So uh, thank you, Neha. This is a great interview. I really appreciate you sharing so much uh, of your story and thanks for the time. So where could people go to find out more about you? Because you've got a lot going on. So where should they go? Yes, I know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you my website. But if you go to um, recurgyan.com or the sleepycup.us, um, and there's, you know, three more that I'll send over. Um, I also have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. So you can kind of check in on me and what I'm doing. And I always have cool lives. I go live um, twice a week. Uh, and I'm, you know, usually interviewing either successful mom entrepreneurs or just going live on business tips and tricks. So I'll send you the link to my group as well that you can join and follow. Uh, but again, yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so, this has been the highlight of my week because I was just talking to Adam that we had no power and or water and or internet. It's been a Russian roulette of which one or two do you have and which one do you not have? And all neighborhoods are kind of having the different combinations here. So this was great and I, I'm so happy I did this because I kind of feel refreshed and I feel like I'm ready to get back to it and hit the ground running next week after we're out of this whole craziness here. Awesome, well, thank you for being here and I'm glad that you were able to even be here today. So thank you again. Of course, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-Day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy slash foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day, but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. 
You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy/join.